are some scientists who say it's already too late. We're on a downward trajectory. There's nothing we can do about climate change, um, the rate of deforestation, ocean pollution, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we have made an awful, awful mess of the planet. are in the sixth great extinction but i happen to passionately believe there's a window of time i don't know how big it is when if we get together we can start to heal some of the harm hello and welcome to the environment show i'm phil stubbs and my guest today is jane goodall jane's been the subject of many films books and articles over the years the young Englishwoman who ventured to Africa in 1960 conducted chimpanzee research and wound up revolutionising primate science. In the 1980s and 1990s, her attention turned toward how she could better protect the chimps and then to much larger issues of protecting the natural world more broadly. Now aged in her 80s, Jane has become the world-famous face of the conservation movement. Jane is charming, eloquent and simply determined, as I think you'll hear in this interview. My name is Jane Goodall and I'm an advocate for animals and for the environment and what I try to do as I travel 300 days a year around the world, is to give stories of hope, to try and counteract some of the doom and gloom that we see in the news everywhere. So there's a lot that's happened, Jane, hasn't there, in your lifetime. Humans have had a pretty major impact on the environment. I'm interested to hear your thoughts of what's happened in your life. Well, in my life, I've seen an enormous change. Since I first went to Africa in 1957, the change there, the change in numbers of chimpanzees, which has dropped, the destruction of the forests, the uh, loss of so many habitats, the decrease in number of animal species just about everywhere, you know, the change is absolutely enormous. And I think similar change has happened around the rest of the world as human populations have grown and it seems that there's this crazy notion that there can be unlimited economic development on a planet with finite natural resources and the tragedy is that you know as people want more and more and get wealthier and wealthier that in some cases we're actually using up natural resources faster than mother nature can replenish them. Mm. Which, of course, is a worry for the generations to come, Jane, isn't it? So that's... Yeah, that's, that's the big problem, you know. Yeah. We're making decisions based on how will this help me now, my company now, my political career now, and not thinking about how will this decision affect the future for the planet mm. and for my great-great-grandchildren. And it's interesting that you focused a lot of your energy on young people. I wonder if you could tell a listener more about why you think children are really important. Well, you know, I started off by uh, working to improve conditions for chimps, learning about the problems they face in the wild as forests are cut down and mothers are shot to sell infants 
for pets or to overseas for entertainment or something. And as I'm learning more about that, I'm realizing the extent of the problems facing people, people mm. living in and around chimp habitat, the crippling poverty, the lack of good health and education. And when I flew over the little Gombe National Park, where I began my research in 1960, the research on the chimps, that is. And back then it was part of the great equatorial forest belt that stretched right across equatorial Africa. And when I flew over in 1990, I looked down on a tiny island of forest surrounded by completely bare hills. And mm. that's when it hit me, you know, unless we do something to improve the lives of people who are struggling. There's too many people for the land to support. Farmland is overused and infertile. Um, trees are cut down on increasingly steep slopes in their desperate effort to grow more food. And the streams are getting silted up. And mm. that's when it hit me. If we don't improve their lives, then we can't even try to save the chimps. Mm. So we started our program Take Care of Takari, very mm. successful, seven African countries now, but costs a lot of money. So what is the point of struggling to, you know, to save the chimps and improve the lives of the people um, if new generations aren't growing up to be better stewards than us? So Roots and Jutes began because I was meeting so many young people who had given up hope. And you're also playing a key role in Africa in empowering women, which I thought was interesting with things like microcredit loans and keeping girls in school and family planning. I wonder if you could tell a listener why this is important for protecting the environment as well. But one of the big problems that many people don't seem to want to talk about, because for a long time it's been considered politically incorrect, is the effect of human population growth on the planet, mm. you know, and as more and more people around the world get wealthier, so the demand on the natural resources increases, and we can't turn away from that. So working with women, empowering women, it's been shown all around the world that as women's education improves, mm. that's why we provide scholarships for as many girls as we can, so family size tends to decrease so that we provide family planning information, which, mm. by the way, is very well received. And it's the local people who give the workshops to tell people about family planning. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about a little bit too is um, the, the other great thing about kids is that they've got a... And it seems like we're born with a natural curiosity for nature and its creatures. So I got Jade, my wife teaches kids art and she lets them draw what they want. And she has a big show of their artwork at the end of the year. And when I look at it often, a lot of what the kids draw is animals. They, they seem to be fascinated naturally by them. And I wanted to ask you about that because... Um, I know you've also got a fascination with creatures as well. And I, I wonder, I want to ask you, fostering that connection with nature is, is really going to be important, isn't it, if we're going to protect the natural world in the future? Yes, it's desperately important. And sadly, children are becoming more and more dissociated from nature, either in the developed world by their 
you know, increasing preoccupation with with virtual reality and technology mm. and so forth. And in the developing world, because of poverty, um, you know, they can't they can't afford to be concerned about nature. They've just got to worry about getting from day to day and living. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, when I was one and a half years old, mum told me that she came into my room one day and I'd taken a huge handful of earthworms to bed with me, with yeah. earth, of course. So most mothers would have got angry. But she said, Jane, you were watching them so intently that <laughs> I wondered if you were wondering how do they walk without legs. So instead of getting mad, she just said, Jane, we better put them back or they'll die. Yeah. He took them back to the garden. So, you know, I credit my wise mother with so much that I learned as a child. And, of course, when I was growing up, there wasn't TV. It hadn't been invented. Mm. Uh, you know, I spent all my time out in nature watching the birds mm. and the jumping spiders in the garden. And I was good at school, but I resented it because I wanted to be out with nature. And this doesn't happen so much anymore. Which leads me to, I was going to ask you about empathy. So I've, I've heard you talk a bit about the importance of empathy. I, I wonder if you could tell the listener about why it's going to be important to rescuing the natural world as well. Well, I think you need to have empathy with, with animals in order to think it's important to improve their lives and save them in some ways. So, you know, when, when Lewis Leakey first sent me to Cambridge, I'd been with the chimps two years. I hadn't been to college. And many of the professors, to my horror, told me I'd done everything wrong. I shouldn't have given the chimps names. Mm. They should have had numbers. I couldn't talk about them having minds uh, capable of solving problems or emotions because those were unique to us. And I'd learned differently from my dog, Rusty, when I was a child. And, you know, empathy was frowned upon in scientific circles. Mm. Um, it was supposed to be cold and objective to be a good scientist. And I found that if you have empathy, if you can kind of imagine yourself into the mind of the creature you're watching, that actually gives you a very sound basis for making a scientific, you know, you can say, yeah. well, I think he's behaving that way because he's sad. Yeah. Now, I think he's sad, so let me try and prove it. And so I think empathy is, is, is desperately important if we are going to try and help to save the natural world. And it sounds, Jane, like your dog when you were a kid was one of the first places you really became attuned to that. Is, is that right? Yes. Mm. Well, I loved all animals, but this particular dog, you know, when the scientist told me I'd done everything wrong at Cambridge... I knew they were wrong because of my dog, Rusty. <laughs> and if you, if you share your life in a meaningful way with a, a dog, a cat, a rabbit, a pig, I don't care what it is, yeah. you know, you, you know that they have personalities, yeah. minds and emotions. You just know it. Yeah, that's right. That original work that you did in Africa on your own is pretty different to what you're doing now with, with lectures to large groups and media appearances in cities around the world. I wonder if you reflect on that change on your life ever and how you reconcile your public life with your private nature. Like, for example, do you get back into nature? Well, I think 
when you spend as long as I have in the, in the rainforest, it becomes part of you. And so if I go back into nature, even for a little while, I sort of get filled up again. Mm. And if somebody said, okay, Jane, um, if you wish to be back in Gombe today and not travel around the world, is that what you would want to do? My answer would have to be no, because we're in such a critical state. So that because I was given a gift of communication and... You know, I, I know that being back in Gombe, I would feel I'm not supposed to be here. I've moved on to the next phase. Jane, I've got a son, Archie, who's 14 now. You know, everything I, I read these days suggests it's going to be a really tough period that we're entering this 21st century. I, I wonder what your message would be to him and his generation. Well, the message is that Yes, we are in very dark times, I think socially, politically, and above all, environmentally. And, you know, there are some scientists who say it's already too late. We're on a downward trajectory. There's nothing we can do about climate change, um, the rate of deforestation, ocean pollution, blah, 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 all that. And, you know, we, we have made a awful, awful mess of the planet. We are in the sixth great extinction. But I happen to passionately believe there's a window of time, I don't know how big it is, when if we get together, we can start to heal some of the harm and at least slow down climate change. So this is why I'm traveling around the world. And the main message for young people is don't pay any attention to what you're told about thinking globally but acting locally. Put it the other way around. Join something like our program, the Youth Roots and Shoots, and which is now in over 60 countries for young people of all ages. And when you start acting locally, like cleaning up a river or removing trash from a beach or planting trees or uh, volunteering in an animal shelter, it might seem that what you as an individual do can't make a difference. But if you think of hundreds and thousands and millions, hopefully billions of people trying each day to make ethical choices in how they live, then you start moving towards a better world. And so I say to young people, the most important message is Every single day that you live, you make some impact on the planet. And you get to choose what sort of impact you make. So get involved, roll up your sleeves, and start making a difference, a positive difference. That's great. Thank you, Jane. I really appreciate your time, and um, good luck with the rest of your trip. Thank you very much. And um, I hope they let you get some time here in nature. We, we've got some good things here. very unlikely. <laughs> Isn't it? Anyway, good luck with the rest of it, and um, we really appreciate what you're doing. All right. Thank you very much. No worries. Good luck. Goodbye. My thanks to Jane Goodall. There's a lot more of her story on our website at environmentshow.com. You'll find there links to talks and books by Jane and links to the Jane Goodall Institute and her youth program. 
You've been listening to The Environment Show. I'm Phil Stubbs. Thanks for tuning in.